Well, welcome everybody to the church gathering, even though we're gathering in all different places. You're looking fantastic, by the way. You're all getting older, you all need a haircut. I'm thinking about getting a haircut, can't wait, although you know, my wife tends to think it's pretty irresistible, so it might stay, you never know. I could be the new Samson. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's great to be with you this morning and um, to worship with you, even though not in person, but not long until we will be able to do that. That's great. And um, apparently today there's a bit of a football match happening on later. I forgot to wear my appropriate colours, I do apologise. I'm regretful. Biggest regret today is not wearing the correct jersey because um, I noticed there's a Rabbitohs jersey floating around here somewhere. The things that happen when you don't have security. Oh boy, <laughs> it's going to be great. But I want to give a shout out to my dad. My dad turned 80 last Thursday and um, you know he's joined the OBE group over Bloomin' 80 and um, and um, I want to celebrate him and say that you're a great man, Dad, and I love you heaps. Happy birthday. And um, also, I want to add to that, um, on Thursday, I think it was, Gabby and Matt Domars had a little boy. Well, he's not real little. Welcome, Isaac, to this world. It's great to have you. And um, the grandchild of Pete and Kerry and Wes and Cheryl. Uh, I think about Wes and Cheryl. It was only six weeks ago. They didn't have any grandkids. Now they've got two. You take the lid off that jar and it happens to be pretty crazy straight after that one, so blessings of the Lord, aren't they? They're the crown. It's wonderful. And um, yeah, fantastic to be in church. Anyway, I want to share with you a word today, a word which has been, God's been speaking to me a lot about for our church. And uh, I think today might be a bit of a pivotal moment for us as a church as we move forward. And uh, in the natural, what's happening around us is there's change happening, which is good. And as a church, I want us to be ready and as a church, God's representative on earth, well, our portion of the earth anyway, I want us to be ready for whatever he wants us to do. I've been praying along those lines a lot, you know, and um, I was reminded of the passage of scripture I read back in February, the beginning of our year, when we launched our year, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Paul wrote this, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And when I read that, it was the end of last year, looking into hopefully a new, better year. It's, that's debatable whether that's the case. Um, I felt the Lord say to me, Rick, behold, all things are new. Remember this. So I named the year for us. I named it for Strong Nation Church. Behold, all things are new. And uh, I look at that and it has been a very interesting year. Very different, very new. Um, even in the midst of where we're at now, tomorrow could be new again, who knows. But uh, I think there's more to it, especially in the... Um, not so natural world, in the spiritual world, what's happening. And I think it's very important, this whole word, this whole word about, behold, all things are new. You see, we've been speaking about this whole theme as well. Um, uh, under that title, um, we've been preaching a lot over the last well, several months now 
the theme about this new kingdom. And I really felt the Lord wants to teach about what his kingdom is like and, and um, this new kingdom that he brought uh, you know, 2,000 years ago. He established his kingdom on earth. And it's not just a heavenly kingdom, it's a kingdom here. And simply, the kingdom is where and when Jesus rules. When he's ruling, that's the kingdom. And he's called us to be part of that. He wants us to walk in that. He wants us to be part of our, his kingdom moving forward because he has a great plan ahead for those who are in his kingdom. Well, we've been sharing on that. We've heard some great words from many speakers and we could preach that for years. You could, we don't even scratch the surface after years of preaching about the kingdom. And I encourage church, for you, when you're reading the word, look up the kingdom and what Jesus says about it. It is amazing. Well, today, I wanna just start taking a little bit of a tangent on that. I wanna start a new mini-series, if you like, underneath the, this new kingdom. And, um, and it definitely still comes under the whole banner of behold, all things are new. You see, Jesus established his kingdom, but why did he do it? Why did he you know, come and made such a big thing about setting up a kingdom? What is his greater plan? And what role do we, his church, have to play in that? I started contemplating that a lot, you know? You know, I've been encouraging everyone to live in the kingdom. I'm not convinced that every believer walks in the kingdom every day. I know I don't, and I'm trying to. It's a journey for me every day to, to remember Jesus rules in this part of my life. Jesus rules in that part of my life. Jesus rules over my finances. Jesus rules over my emotions. Jesus rules over my, my plans and my vision for my life. And as I keep continually establishing that, I find myself walking more and more in the kingdom. And it's amazing how much life changes when you do that. We're called to walk in his kingdom, you know, but it's an ongoing journey. But I actually think the kingdom's more than just what we get out of it. The kingdom's more than just a new way of living. I think it's much more than that. And um, I feel like God is calling us to be thinking about what our role in that is. What does he expect of us in that? I wanna make a shift of our focus away from needing to live in the kingdom, because that's what we've been preaching. Hey guys, we need to live in the kingdom. And the focus is gonna switch a bit more to, what does it mean when we do walk in the kingdom? What does it mean every day as we walk in the kingdom? You, me, his church, what's the role that he wants us to play? Because right now, at this very moment in our lifetime, it is a historic moment. I'm wondering whether it's a significant moment for Jesus' church and his plans. So I'm titling this little mini-series that we're launching, this little mini-theme, if you like, This New Church, This New Me. This new church, this new me, and maybe this new you. Oh, now, I'm not thinking, you know, I'm not suggesting that the church is a 21st century idea. No, it's well, the kingdom's well and truly 2,000 years old, roundabout. And, um, but what I'm meaning is the new, it's, it's not the old. The new me. I don't want the old Rick to be. When I got baptised in water in 1985 and freezing cold water outside in the middle of June, that's a true baptism. Had to break the ice almost. Well, the story gets better every year. When I got baptised, it was a signification of the old Rick no longer exists. It is a new Rick now. 
I'm new. And that's what I'm saying. This new church, this new me, and I believe that's what the calling is for us to be walking in the newness of what Christ has done for us every day. It is so easy for the old Rick to come knocking on my own door saying, hey, why don't you rise? Why don't, why don't I get a bit of a run in this life, Rick? The old way of thinking, the old mindsets. I don't want that to happen. This new church, this new me. So what is it about? This new church, this new me, what does it mean? Well, I started thinking about it. God, what does that mean? Instantly, I started thinking about John chapter three. The story about Nicodemus. You see, this Christianity we have, this being in God's kingdom, it's much more than just a decision. In fact, I would say it's a decision's a very minor part of it. Bible doesn't say that we chose God. He chose us and appointed us. He was the one who called us into his kingdom. And here we have this story in John chapter three where this religious leader, Nicodemus, he's a good man from what we can gather from scripture. He had an earnest heart to wanna follow God. He dedicated his whole life to studying the scriptures and to teaching the scriptures. And he had a heart to, um, you know, to praise God with his life and to lift him up all the time. But then he comes across stories about this prophet or this teacher and there were miracles happening everywhere. He arranged a time where he could meet Jesus and under the cover of night, they met together. And he actually says to Jesus in John chapter three, it's obvious through the miracles that God is with you. Jesus' response was very interesting. This is a good man who would, you could consider godly man. But Jesus challenged him and said this, hey, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. Wow, can you imagine what went through his mind? What do you mean? What Jesus is saying is, we need a new you. If you want to enter the kingdom, the old guy won't cut it. The new guy is what we need. And God wants to give you that new start. That's why Paul says, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. There is a, a separation from the past. He went on to say, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God. There's a supernatural change, a spiritual change that happens in someone's life. I honestly believe the thing what we need to remember as this new church, this new me, we need to remember we are born again. We are born from above. We've had a life-changing encounter. It wasn't a decision. It wasn't just, oh yeah, I joined a nice ethics club. The church is not an ethics club. The church is a living, breathing organism of the body of Christ. And for that to happen, it is literally a spiritual transformation of someone's life. Church, you didn't just join a club. You didn't say, oh yeah, that sounds like a good church, really good looking pastor. You obviously, you didn't think that. <laughs> what did happen is God called you and you responded and he gave you this new rebirth. You're not the same person you were. You've changed. Jesus went on to say this, he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Wow, what could he have meant by that? I think what it means is that when I'm born again, 
my whole life is not dictated by what I can see. It's not dictated to by you know, things that might happen to me. My, deter- my, my, my destiny is determined by God the Spirit who leads and guides me. So I've got a choice to live according to the flesh or I've got a live, choice to live according to the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit can live by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. And when God fills you with his Spirit, man, you can actually walk in the Spirit. It's a powerful thing. Why do I think this is important? I think it's very, very important. Because I think if we really want to walk in this kingdom, if we really want to make a difference around us, like Jesus wants his church to make a difference, we've got to first acknowledge, hey, I'm born again. I'm different to the way I was. The old me doesn't count anymore. Yes, we've all got a past. We've all done things which we regret, but that's not me, not anymore. I no longer live, Paul says, but Christ lives in me. Christ is in me. I no longer live. Wow. I think it's a good reminder for us, church, that we are born again. We've been spiritually changed. It's not the same anymore. You know, I look around our current world in which we live. And um, one of the things that's concerning me is the many, the, the varied responses of the believer in this season in which we live of COVID-19. And um, I see a lot of people being gripped with fear. We don't need to be gripped with fear. When My response is not in fear. You know, you don't have to look for too long to see there's a fair bit of division happening in our communities right now even within the church. Let me tell you, the enemy's plan, the principalities and powers, right? Their plan is to divide and how they do it is through fear. I've got no fear. I'm not worried. This might sound controversial to me, but it's theologically sound. Paul actually said this, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Death has been swallowed up in victory, he says. Do you know what? I don't fear death. I respect life. I treasure my life. But my life, I put my life in the hands of my Saviour. He can do with my life whatever he likes. If he wants to take me home, he will. I figured this, if he wanted to take me home, he would have taken me home on the M4 freeway a few years back. But he didn't. But if he does, oh, it's a promotion. Christian, we need to be reminded of this. This is temporary. Peter actually says, we are all just aliens passing through. We're born again. In other words, we are born for an an eternity. This life is temporal. And yes, there will still be broken bones. Yes, there'll be still broken hearts. Yes, there will be still gray hair and wrinkles, which are cells dying, by the way. There'll still be cancers. They'll still be around us, but they have no victory over us. No, no, no. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And when I think about the fear that is generated through COVID-19 and catching COVID, we don't need to fear. Our God is much mightier than any man-made or bat-induced disease. Yes, it's serious. I think it is. And I hate it when people get sick and I don't want people to be sick, but there shouldn't be fear. Yes, we should be cautious. 
Yes, we should take caution, but we should not fear because we've been born again. You see, we are not led by circumstance. We are not led by reason. Not anymore. We are led purely by faith. And that's how the kingdom operates. It's like the economy of the kingdom is faith. I believe. I believe. We've been born again. It's all about faith, not fear. That leads me on to my second point, the thought that I had. Because we're born again, we can walk in his kingdom, we can see his kingdom, it makes sense to us. But that means this, we get to walk with Holy Spirit. You know, when we are filled with Holy Spirit, he's no longer just around us, he's in us. So not only have we been born again, we've been empowered. We have the power of God because we have God. Jesus raises from the grave, gathers his disciples and many more. He says to them this, he says, don't, don't leave anywhere yet. I've got a great job for you. You're gonna go around the world. You're gonna change the world. And here we are 2,000 years later still speaking about it. He said, but before you do, wait. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be given power. Wow. You are powerful. Yes, we have superpowers because we have the super one living in us. We need to remember this. When we walk with Holy Spirit, we have him in us and he can do anything. Do you understand that your words have power? Do you understand that you can see miracles flow through your life because God dwells in you? We don't have to stand there and think, oh, I wish, I wish. No, no, no. We can begin to fight spiritually for what we believe is right. You have authority. You know, very interesting thing has been happening. A few weeks ago, I actually encouraged the church to grab a prayer buddy and start praying um, about Afghanistan. It was then. It looks like all the Aussies are safe out of that now, which is great news. And uh, while we can still pray for Afghanistan, my prayer partner, Troy White, and I, we were praying every day. We decided to shift our prayers to the current situation in New South Wales. Uh, about COVID and the restrictions and the hardships that people are going through. Incredible hardships. And I found myself trying to pray the will of the Father. And I kept praying, Lord, for those who are leading us or serving us, Lord, if they won't serve us the way you want us to be served, would you please remove them? I prayed that several times. Remove them, God, remove them. On Friday, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, as I watch our Premier resign. Now, I don't know. (laughs) If I've got that much power, I need to be praying about a football match in a few hours' time. Lord, I pray that every Panther fan will be very happy at the end of the day. I don't know, but all I know is this. When you begin to act in faith, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We begin to declare. We we, We speak with authority. Remember a few weeks ago, I spoke to you about when Jesus said, who do men say that the Son of Man is? Does everyone say that the Son of Man is? They were standing at the Grotto of Pan, which is called the Gates of Hell, which they would have understood in that day. Their understanding would have been, this is the Gates of Hell, this is where all the bad dudes live. And they're at the foot of a mountain called Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon, by the ancient people of that day, was considered the throne 
of the principalities and powers, the bad guys, where they would assemble and they would meet and, and plot the world's, you know, being killed, I suppose. Who Jesus spoke to would have thought that at that time. What's fascinating is Jesus actually said, all authority I'll give you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, he's standing right there when he says this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, he says this. And upon this rock, right here in the midst of all this crazy stuff, I'm going to build my church. This new church, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It's real. You have authority. You have power. Wasn't that much longer that Jesus, I think it was about less than a week, Jesus grabs two of his, or three of his mates and says, come on, we're going to climb this mountain. <laughs> when you put in the context of what they probably thought that mountain was, you want us to climb up the mountain? Jesus is really, you're poking the bear here. These are principalities and powers. These are the bad guys. He takes them for a walk up there. It's a mount, what we read is a mount transfiguration where Jesus meets with Moses and Elijah and his face changes and it's an incredible time. Would have done amazing things for John, James and Peter. But what I noticed was when he comes down from the mountain, he runs into the rest of his disciples. They're trying to cast a demon out of a little boy and couldn't do it. Jesus speaks to the demon, it goes straight away. He said, Jesus, how come we couldn't do that? Why, why for you, not for us? He said, oh, there's a lot of reasons. But he said this, if you can just believe, if you could just have the faith, as much as a mustard seed. And he says this, you could speak to that mountain and throw it into the sea. Now, there's been several times I've stood speaking to a mountain, thinking I'm gonna test this one, believing it, and the Blue Mountains are still there. Many of you live in there. <laughs> Hi Sam, how are you? I don't think he's talking about moving a physical mountain, considering he just walked up a mountain, which they probably, the men who were following him, thought was principalities and powers, evil dudes place. You can speak to that and it'll be thrown into the sea. It's interesting that Jesus spoke to some demons in a bunch of pigs and they ended up in the sea. You have authority. You have power. You can pray for the sick and see them healed. You can pray for those who are, who are gripped with fear and see peace come upon them. You can do that. Church, it's time to use the power that's been placed in us and become mobile. It's who we are. Many, many stories that you read in the Bible. These just regular people who have been born again, changed, filled with that beautiful spirit. They're walking in the spirit. Wow. Peter and James, I think it is, walking to church one day. Guy's been sitting there for 40 odd years, crippled, asking for money. I don't have any money for you to do, but what I do have, rise up and walk. Wow, this guy's been sitting there for 40 years, crippled. Rise up and walk. Power of God. I don't have gold and silver to give you, but something better than that, mate. So, you know, Paul in Galatians 5, he actually says this, those that are walking in the Spirit, he actually implies this, those who walk in the Spirit inherit the kingdom. Inherit everything. They don't earn it. They don't buy it. They don't borrow it. They inherit it. It becomes part of their life. All the things, that's the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all the powers which come with God. 
The power to be able to speak words of wisdom and knowledge. I was sitting in a meeting just the other day of a bunch of pastors and um, we're, we're discussing um, a study about how to hear from God and things like that. And we're in this small room, Zoom room, and we're chatting. And uh, this woman's just sharing a dream that she had. Pretty worrying dream, actually. I'm just listening to it. And God speaks to me. I, th- I feel this thought come into my head. What am I thinking that? I thought, oh, Rick, you twit. I've got to talk to her. So I just said to her really quickly, I said, honey, what I think is this. You're entering into ministry and got young kids. And I'm just wondering whether you're fearful of losing your kids. But instead of having family and a mission or family or mission, why don't you take family on mission? And I gave her this word of wisdom. Anyway, she begins to just weep and weep and weep. I just thought, well, just a suggestion. But what it is, God used this simple old chubby little fella to actually break through in someone's life with a word of wisdom. He's empowered you to do that, every one of us. Are you aware of it? It requires faith. All you need is a mustard seed of faith. You can speak to that mountain, it'll move. That principality and power has to go because you have the authority of Christ. This is the new me, this is the new church. Those who are in Christ, the old has passed away and this is what has become the new. Amen. Boy, the people we could help. Wow, what the impact the church could have. You know, in one, I know, sorry, Ephesians chapter one, verse 23, the message interpretation of that passage is really interesting. Eugene Peterson, the, verse 23, he actually makes this comment. He says, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. What he means is this. He means we don't sit on the edges just hoping that no one notices us. No. We sit right in the middle because we have the hope of humanity. We know who his name is. Jesus, he's the hope of humanity. So therefore, we've got to find ourselves in the centre. Not peripheral, not on the edge. And the rest of the world needs to revolve around that beautiful hope that we possess. That's what it means. Church, that's us. This new church, this new me, that's who he's talking about. Why? Because we're born again. We walk in the spirit and we have power. Which brings me to my third point. And that is this. We have a job to do. God has given us a mandate, an expectation, a yearning. I know I feel a yearning from heaven right now in the circumstance in which we live. It's huge. It is huge where we live. You know, Matthew chapter 9. It's a great chapter, really is. It is full of miracles. Where Jesus, he, um, he starts by seeing a paralytic man, a man who's never walked in, well, for many years anyway, lowered down in a roof because too much crowd. Jesus says to him, I forgive your sins and better than that. Well, not better than that. Just to prove that it's not just words, take up your bed and walk. And he gets up and walks. Upsets the Pharisees a bit. <laughs> Amazes the people. Stirs a bit of a commotion. But not only that, later on, he, um, he hears that some important guy's daughter is really sick, near dead. Would you come and heal her? He says, yeah, okay. And on his way to walking to her, a lady who has this social issue, this issue with her body, it's a sickness which is just incredible for so many years, 12 years, touches the hem of his garden, instantly gets healed. His garment's there, she touches it. 
and she gets healed. After 12 years of being sick and having a terrible infirmity, she's healed, set free. So on the way to a miracle, a miracle happens. He goes there, little girl, she's dead. No, she's not, he said, she's just sleeping. You watch this, she rises from the grave. She's, she's alive. Then he goes out, meet two other guys, blind guys, said, do you want to be healed? Yeah, we do. They get healed. They can see. They can, they're not blind anymore. And then he meets a guy who couldn't talk. He was mute because of a demon in his life. Cast a demon out. And it's all through Matthew chapter nine. It's an incredible thing. It gives me a lot of faith when I read it. Then I come to Matthew, um, Matthew chapter nine, verse 35. And Matthew records this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. You know what? I think about our world right now. Harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, and Matthew records what he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He's weary, he's seen the mass. He's looking around, he says, man, there's so much. There's hopelessness everywhere, everyone's lost. They don't know what to do. Maybe their businesses are on the brink. Maybe they don't know what they're gonna do for their career. Maybe they're feeling depressed and oppressed. Jesus says, what's the answer? What's the answer for this? It's harvest time. I need some laborers. Church, we're the laborers. The born again ones, the ones who have the power, we're them. Another occasion, Jesus ends up at a well, Jacob's well in Samaria and talks to a woman. Woman comes along and she was a woman who didn't have the greatest reputation amongst the Samaritans. That's why she was there in the middle of the day. And Jesus says to her, can you give me a drink? She says, "Why? you're asking me? I'm a woman. He said, oh, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me and I'll give you living water. She gets sarcastic. I love reading that. She gets so sarcastic. Short, long story short, something happens in her life. She switches on. She realises she's talking to the Christ and that born again thing happens right there and then. She gets born again. Her cynicism just drops away and she realises, I'm just speaking to a man who told me everything I've ever done. And he's the Messiah. She runs in back into her city and tells everybody about it. It's an amazing story. But the point I want to make to you is what happens after that. His disciples who went to McDonald's to get some food for him come back. Said, so, you're hungry? Here's a happy meal. Jesus says, I've found food that you don't know about. Who gave you food? And he explains it in John chapter 4, 35. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say, he says, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest now. They're right. They're white. In other words, they're ready. You better get them off now, otherwise they're gonna perish. Harvest terms. Now, not are we only the laborers, church, but I think this new church, this new me, is all about lifting up our eyes and seeing, wow, there is a harvest field. 
Wow, there are people in need. Wow, there is someone who's asking questions right now. Oh, there's someone who needs comfort. There's someone who needs support. There's so wow, I, wow, I've got to help them. And that's how Jesus would want his church to respond. This new church, this new me, that's what it's about. We've got a job to do. Church, this is not the time for us to be getting smaller and smaller in our world. It's the time to be expanding our world. Never before have we been able to communicate so easily with technology. Never before has people been more accessible. What an opportunity for us, the born again, spirit filled ones. The ones who walk with the Holy Spirit, who have the power of God. What a great opportunity right now. This new church, this new me. We are the labourers. Will we lift up our eyes and see? Or will we keep our eyes down, worried about the future? Fearful. Participating in division maybe. Because truly I am scared. Or are we going to realise, no, that has no hold on me. I'm going to rise above that. Draw on the faith of God. Look around and realise he didn't just save me so I could be saved. He saved me so that others could be saved. Born again, changed forever. That's why he did it. I feel this yearning from heaven. I really do. You know what? I, I love every now and then just jumping into Revelations, just have a read. A huge chunk of it, I think, is the Pastor Jack used to say this all the time. It's the future written as history. It's what we're going to see, but it's written as if it's already happened. And one of the scenes there is a multitude, and John describes this multitude. He couldn't count how many. Oh, there's from every nation, tribe, and tongue all together. It's a picture of what heavens looks like. So many people. Wow, and they're all singing glory, glory, glory to the most high. Mate. They didn't have to wear masks. <laughs> they could sing. Can't wait for that day. It also says this about those who actually helped that happen. Talking about his church, I think. Where if John says this, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. And they did not live, love their lives even to death. Wow. Wow, that's huge. And they did not love their lives even to death. These are the ones who helped that happen. Crowds and crowds and crowds of people for eternity. No end. No pain, no sickness, no tears. Wow. No wonder Peter calls us aliens just passing through. We've got a job to do. The church, this new church, this new me, that's what the new is all about. It's no longer just about getting together and encouraging one another, although I want to do that more and more. Absolutely, but we've got to remember the reason why we do that. It's because there's a lost world who's dying and fearful and they're confused and they don't know what tomorrow holds. But the church has hope. He's our saviour. We have love. He's our saviour. We have forgiveness. We have joy. We have peace. He's our saviour. He's the prince of peace. It's time to let him out of the box in our lives. Church, I'm going to ask us, would you, with me, begin to lift up our eyes and 
Allow the Lord to send us into the harvest field. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into the field. Empowered, born again. My life, it's not what matters. What matters here on earth is temporary. It really is. We're living for another life. We've got to understand this. This is the new thinking of what Christ brought to his church. He went to prepare a home for us, he said. That's what it's about. Church, opportunities are all around us. I'm going to ask you, would you pray and say, Lord, show me, give me opportunities and take them. Amen. You've been born again. You've been empowered. And you have been given a job to do, every one of us. It's not a time to be shy. No, no, time's too short. It's a time. I'm I'm naturally a very shy person. I really am. You might not believe that I am. But it's not a time to be shy. It's a time to be aware and active as a church. Amen? I just want to share you what, what I want to do as a church over the next few weeks. Um, there's all talk about percentages at the moment, the 70%, 80%. And um, at 70%, uh, people who are fully vaccinated are allowed to attend church, although they're not allowed to sing. Um, I believe we should never leave anybody behind. So I don't want us to open up at that point, not as a church. However, what I would love us all to do is to look for creative ways in which we can be the body of Christ. If you're able to meet with 10 people, why don't you organise something? Talk to one of your church leaders and say, we're going to do this. We're going to have a picnic. Maybe you gather in a house for church service. Maybe you can do that. We're going to continue live streaming. And maybe if you're one of those people who are not ready to be vaccinated yet, good on you. You're good. Or maybe you grab a buddy and and pray and and, and do what you do. Church, I'm going to ask you, let's not break rules. Let's Let's not go against anything, but let's be creative and let's push right up to those situations where we can actually reach out. Maybe there's a neighbour right now who just needs a friendly word with someone on a park bench. Maybe there's someone who needs a note written to them to tell them how awesome they are and that there is hope. Church, can I ask every one of us to think outside the box at the 70% mark? And let's be the church. Church in homes. Church in streets. Church in parks. Wow, be awesome. Then 80% comes along. 80% vaccination rates. Well, um, unvaccinated are allowed to vaccinate, uh, allowed to join the unvaccinated, which I think is a ludicrous rule, to be honest with you, that um, there is any segregation. It's ludicrous. However, at that point, we, we'll, we can open up our building here, and I know Judah and Megan have a great plan for Mountains Church. We're going to let you know about soon. And Jesse and Judah have a great plan for Penrith Church. going to let you know about that soon. But what I think is more important is to continue what we started at 70%. And expand it. Between the church services or even during church services, reach out to people. Who can you connect with? Become the best friend they could ever have. What an opportunity. Why? Because you have the greatest friend that ever existed living within you. That's what you have. This new me, this new church, that's what it's about. And let's, maybe you want to come and sit in the service again. We're not allowed to sing. Crazy. But you can sing at home. Maybe you can gather and have a breakfast together or something. We're going to be doing some things as church together. 
We're going to be inventing creative ways. I want you to keep your ear out for that. I'd love you all to be involved. I'm, I just want everyone to be connected and active and reaching out. That's what I'm looking for. Then comes December. December 3rd, December 5th are two very important dates. We have a Friday night service here, which the young people love. We're going to open up. And do you know what? We're allowed to come together. We're allowed to sing in no masks. And boy, they're going to hear us at Katoomba. We're going to be singing loud. And on December the 5th, we're going to meet together. And I want to say this. What we've decided to name December is Christmas has come early. And we're going to celebrate all December. We're going to have beautiful worship together. We're going to encourage one another face to face. And uh, we're going to enjoy our, our, our moment there while continuing to reach out to those who are still hurting. Because I think the pain is going to extend for a long time for a lot of people. But we're not fearful. No, the church is not fearful. We stand in anticipation that there's an opportunity for Jesus to bring peace and love and joy through our lives. That's what he's going to do. Amen. I think it's going to be great. Christmas Day is when we, it all has a great day. And we're going to have a beautiful Christmas Day service, which we were going to have last year until a breakout happened. But who knows what's really going to happen, but this is what we're planning. Amen. Anyway, church, this new church, this new me, powerful, powerful. I'm going to pray for you. Let's do it. Father, come before you. You are almighty. Lord, there is no one like you. But yet you love us and you care for us and you have called us to be your church. Lord, we love you and I pray, Lord God, that every person here right now would hear the Lord of the harvest saying, I want to send you. Lord, would you speak to us in dreams and visions and Lord, even audibly, that'd be awesome. And Lord God, would you show us, Lord God, and help us to see the harvest. We lift up our eyes, Lord. Help us to remember that we are born again. The old person is gone. This new person lives in the kingdom and experiences the kingdom and, and Jesus rules every aspect of our lives. Would you help us to remember, Lord, that we are empowered. We have the power of God living in us because you live in us. And Lord, help us to remember that we are the laborers and there's a harvest field that we can go into. Lord, I give you glory. I pray for every single person. Let your blessing be over every household, every marriage, every family, every person, I pray. And we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the service is over and this new church continues. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Go the Panthers.